Hi, and welcome to Ask Wardy. I'm Wardy, a wife and mom of three, lead teacher, blogger, and founder of traditionalcookingschool.com. I'm also the author of The Complete Idiot's Guide to Fermenting Foods. Ask Wardy is the weekly show devoted to answering your niggling questions about traditional cooking. Maybe it's your sourdough starter, your sauerkraut, preserving foods, broth, superfoods, or anything else to do with traditional cooking. You can catch Ask Wardy live each Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, that's 1 p.m. Eastern, or through the podcast and video replays at askwardy.tv. And now, let's get to today's show. So good to see you all today. I'm showing off our daily bread. This is the no-need sourdough bread that I make frequently throughout the week for our family. And it's such good timing to have it freshly made today to show you because I got a question from Marie asking about the best and healthiest flours for sourdough bread or sourdough in general. So we got a great question from Marie today. We're going to tackle that. Let me first welcome you all to Ask Wardy. I'm Wardy and I'm so thrilled you're here. I'm the lead teacher of Traditional Cooking School by Ganaufglins. I'm the author of The Complete Idiot's Guide to Fermenting Foods. Fermenting includes sourdough because when you sourdough, you're introducing organisms to ferment the grains and make them more nutritious and digestible. So, so thrilled with Marie's question today and I'm glad you're all here to join me. I want to say a warm welcome to those of you on Facebook Live and Periscope. Um, On Facebook Live, if you have questions, comments, be sure to actually Periscope as well, be sure to use the comments. But if you're on Facebook Live in particular, Millie is right there in the comments adding links, answering your questions, and then I will look back at those later. We are recording this, um, so you can check it out later at askwardy.tv. Just look for episode 65 in case you have to run, want to come back, or you're checking this out later. There's an audio version and a video version there, as well as all the notes, links, and everything I'm going to say today. It's all typed out for you at askwardy.tv. Just look for episode 65. So now that we got all that out of the way, let's get into today's topic. Let's get to the question. So basically, Marie is asking, What's the best flour for sourdough? But she has some additional qualifications. And let me read you her question now. She says, I'm really confused and unsure which flour is best for me to make sourdough bread. Amaranth, buckwheat, rye, teff, millet, quinoa, or can I use something like chickpea or flaxseed or brown rice? I have PCOS and need to watch my carbs and gluten. However, I'm interested in making sourdough for my husband and I want to occasionally enjoy a slice for myself too. Just because the bread is mostly for him doesn't mean I don't want it as healthy as possible for him and me. I love this question. I'm going to keep reading in a moment, but I just want to say I love this question, Marie, because it's something that we all tackle and face all the time. There's different needs in our family, and to be as efficient um, as possible and healthy as possible, what we try to do is, um, you know, not to make a whole bunch of separate meals, but what we cook work for as many people as possible. So that's what I'm going to try to help Marie to do today. She says, what I'm looking for is a flour that is suitable for sourdough starter. It's as open as possible for a variety of bread products. I don't want to mix it with white or whole wheat flour in order for it to work, but mixing with another grain is okay. Uh, as cheap of a grain as possible, the least amount of gluten, wheat, and low glycemic as possible and as nutritious, natural, and organic as possible. So those are the qualifications. 
Marie goes on to say, I know you use einkorn for your family. It's tempting to just go with that because I know I could follow your recipes to a T. Do you perhaps know what flour would be best under the terms I provided? Thank you so much for your time. It's greatly appreciated. I'm getting so spun around the more I read. <laughs> that definitely is a symptom of being on the internet, getting spun around. So hopefully today we will just go through your qualifications one by one and kind of narrow the pool of possible flowers. That's my goal. And as I was prepping for today, by the way, all the notes are at askwardy.tv. What I found was as I was going through your qualifications, the pool was getting smaller and smaller and smaller till we got to the end. It is a tough list of qualifications though, I have to be honest, Marie. Uh, not all of them go together that well or easily, especially the one about cheap. And that's because the more off the beaten track, non-conventional um, heirloom, if you wanna say, you go, the more expensive the foods are in generally. It doesn't mean that the trade-off isn't amazing because as we all know, if we spend more on better food, we spend less on co-pays, less at the doctor, we have better energy, more productive, can better care for our families. So we can't measure everything in money, uh, but it doesn't mean that we don't wanna be frugal with our expenses and keep our grocery budget as low as possible either. So I think we're gonna come up with something for you, Marie, and hopefully it'll help everyone else who's listening today. So. The first qualification that Marie said was uh, suitable for a sourdough starter. Now, a sourdough starter is that um, batter-like mixture that you use to prepare all kinds of sourdough baked goods. We have a whole class on it inside traditional cooking school. And basically, when you have a sourdough starter, you're feeding it flour and water on a regular basis. And really, any kind of grain pseudo grain with starch is going to feed that starter because the organisms that are in it, the beneficial yeast and bacteria, their starch is food, starch is their sugar, that's all they need. So um, that's all they need. Basically, uh, you have all the grains at your disposal. I do wanna add a ca caveat though, starters that are gluten-free, meaning you're feeding them with gluten-free flours, like the ones you mentioned, you mentioned amaranth, quinoa, and others, um, they often need help. So what we do with gluten-free starters is we call it a, um, a boosted starter, like a boosted brown rice starter, for instance. And what you're doing every few feedings, fairly regularly, you're adding like kombucha or water kefir to give them a boost, to help them be more powerful. I did talk about that way back in Ask Wardy episode 9. So if you go to askwardy.tv and you scroll back to episode 9, I'm talking about gluten-free starter basics. Don't want to go over that again, but you can refer to that. Starters with gluten-containing flours like wheat, spelt, rye, einkorn, uh, they tend to make bubbly active starters without any boosting. So that's awesome. So really, with this qualification, you could go with any of these flowers. We really haven't narrowed the pool down yet. <laughs> All right, and remember, if you're with me live on Facebook, Millie is there in the comments answering questions, and no matter how you're checking this out, I'm so glad you're here. All the notes are at askwardy.tv. So uh, qualification number two is versatile, versatile in baking. Now, just um, right off the bat, the gluten-containing flours are gonna be the most versatile in baking because they make fantastic bread. Bread, um, it doesn't mean you can't make gluten-free bread, 
but bread really benefits from gluten and that bread texture that we all know and love is because of the gluten. So the gluten containing flours, wheat, rye, spelt, einkorn, etc., are going to make are going to be really versatile not only for breads, but your muffins and your cakes and really all your baked goods. Um, but if you take out modern wheat and you narrow that pool of gluten-containing flours to the ones that perform the best and are the most versatile, my favorites are einkorn, which I use for this bread, or spelt. They both have really light, sweet textures, so um, you get really great pastries as well as really great breads out of them. Uh, you might all be going, well, maybe some of you are familiar, but maybe some of you are saying, Einkorn? What's einkorn? I've maybe heard of spelt, definitely heard of wheat and rye, but einkorn. It's the oldest variety of wheat. It's 5,000 years old. It has less and gentler starch. It has less and gentler gluten. And that is, in fact, what this bread is made of. This is a no-need einkorn sourdough artisan loaf. This is the bread. Besides this, this and English muffins is what we eat all the time for our bread. If you'd like this recipe, go to tradcookschool.com slash free bread or just look for the link with this video. If you're on Facebook, Millie is pasting it um, in the comments or if you're on YouTube or the blog, just look around this video. You'll see a link to follow. Okay, um, so, so we were talking about how einkorn and spelt arguably to me are the most versatile gluten-containing grains uh, for baking. Uh, rye is another gluten-containing grain. It's not my favorite because it's really hard to work with. You end up with dense, um, strong-tasting breads and baked goods. So that really takes a lot of experimentation, takes blending, and um, it's just not as versatile, so I knock it off the list. So as far as gluten flours are concerned, Marie, I'd say um, einkorn or spelt are going to be your most versatile. So we've gone from all the fl gluten flours are suitable for a starter down to einkorn and spelt being the most versatile. So we've narrowed the pool. Now we can talk about gluten-free flours and their versatility. Um, they work best if they are blended, four to five flours together, really. They have such strong characteristics on their own that if you use them in baking, your baking either ends up crumbly or strong flavored or you know one of those characteristics. Whereas if you blend a whole bunch of gluten-free flours together, you're gonna get much better results in your baked goods, whether it's quick breads, muffins, cakes, biscuits, cookies, etc. Also, they need help with binding. This is because they don't contain the gluten. So that's where you're looking at egg substitutes or ingredients like chia and flax seeds, they're gelatinous, or eggs in order not to have a crumbly result. Um, Gluten-free flours can make sourdough sandwich bread. It's not like gluten bread, but with trial and error and good recipes, you could get a really good loaf. We have one in our allergy-free um, ebook or allergy-free e-course that comes with membership. There's links with this video to that. So the bottom line here is really I've narrowed the gluten flours down to einkorn or spelt for you in terms of versatility. Gluten-free flours we haven't narrowed too much, but the key thing is here, you're not gonna use just one. You have to blend them together. Okay, the third qualification that Marie mentioned, <laughs> kind of answered this, but let's pull it out and be specific. Um, doesn't need to be mixed with wheat flour, but other flours is okay. So the einkorn, the spelt, the, for the gluten flours that we've narrowed down the list to, uh, they are gonna be fine. 100% einkorn in a loaf, 100% spelt in a loaf. You don't need to mix with a white version. Um, this loaf right here is 100% whole grain einkorn and it's light, fluffy, tasty, really, really wonderful. Uh, same thing with spelt. 
the gluten-free flours, you are going to have to blend them with themselves, and ideally four to five of them at a time. And uh, I, um, when, when we were gluten-free for many years, and I would just grind um, different gluten-free grains and mix them myself. I spent, I saved more, more money, and I could really tailor the flour bin to what we liked. Number four, uh, cheap. You don't want to break the bank. This is totally understandable. Um, I am going to repeat what I said before, which is when we work with, um, you know, healthier foods, whole foods, we're just spending more money right off the bat. Um, I mean, if you compare processed foods, highly processed foods, you know, like crackers in a box to making your own homemade crackers, you're not necessarily spending uh, more because the the price you pay for that, that packaged um convenience foods ounce for ounce is actually shockingly high we have a past post kind of going through some of that for you but overall when you're transitioning to healthy whole foods and you're purchasing them your grocery bill will go up but other things are going to go down like your um, health care costs your co-pays your prescriptions and some things are going to go up like your energy level and your productivity and just your quality of life so we can talk about the money um, but it's not just comparing food item for food item, because the whole picture is so important to keep under consideration. Um, having said that, let's talk about the price factor of these kind of whole food, whole grain flours, whether they're gluten-containing or gluten-free. All the flours that we're talking about here are going to be more expensive than wheat, although you can find good deals with shopping around, or if you purchase whole berries and grind them yourself, or you're buying in bulk and keeping in good storage conditions. So there are ways to keep your costs way down. Of the gluten flours that are still in the running, we're talking about einkorn and spelt now. Einkorn is more expensive than spelt in most situations. You might find a local farm that's growing einkorn and get a super good deal though, so it's not out of the um, realm of possibility that you get an awesome deal on einkorn. Uh, if you're a member of Traditional Cooking School or you have our einkorn baking ebook package, we have an exclusive uh, discount for you in the member area, so just go check that out, where you can save on flours or grains um, on using these specials that we've negotiated for you. You're going to save money right off the bat, as I said, if you're buying the whole grain and grinding your own. For instance, my favorite einkorn that comes from ancient grains um, is a whole einkorn berry. I, I buy it in bulk. I grind it. And not even including the member discount, which if you're a member or have our ebook package, you can get through your special link. But just, you know, the price that they share to the public is $3 a pound. Okay? So that is... A higher price to pay on grains. Um, put it in perspective though, this no-knead sourdough bread that I'm holding right here, which I'm so thrilled to show you all. <laughs> I wish I could share it though. Uh, this needs about a pound and a half of einkorn flour. So I started with berries, grind it myself, or even if you were to buy flour, let's just say the price is $3 a pound, that makes it $4.50 for a loaf. Um, and other ingredients are really salt and water. <laughs> so about a pound and a half of flour. That puts this loaf at costing $4.50. Now, if you're going to compare that to conventional grocery store bread, obviously it's more expensive. But I think that's an apples to oranges comparison that we shouldn't be making because this is way healthier. Way, way, way healthier. So a better comparison is to compare this loaf 
to what you'd buy if you could get a true sourdough loaf of bread in an artisan bakery, and $4.50 is cheaper because those loaves could be $8 or $10 or $12, depending on where you live. Of course, I'm talking in U.S. dollars. So I think that um, if you are bulk shopping, you're starting with whole berries, that you can do einkorn or spelt and keep your price really low and just know that you're making such an investment in your health. And I know Marie in particular is dealing with PCOS, so we have the starch and glycemic index um, issue to talk about coming up here, but right now we're just talking price. Um, gluten-free flours, I haven't priced those out. There's so much variation because there's so many gluten-free flours. And if you take the gluten-free grains and you grind them yourself and you make your own blend, um, you're not only gonna have a healthier product than the gluten-free flour blends that are on the market, it will be less expensive. Because when you're buying a gluten-free flour mix, you're paying a premium. But it's not just price. I just have to point out that a lot of those mixes you're sacrificing health to because they have some pure starch um, ingredients like tapioca and potato that are just pure starch that are just going to be high glycemic load, uh, low on the health. They're going to give a good result, yes, but you're going to pay the price um, in the quality of the food. All right, so that's dealing with the cheap issue. Hopefully it was helpful. Uh, number five that Marie's bringing up is um, she needs the least amount of carbs and gluten and lowest glycemic. And I'm putting those all together because they do all go together. Kind of hit on some things, but let's talk about it specifically. So first we need to talk about the fact that all the grains, whether it's gluten-containing or gluten-free, all of them have carbs. It's in the form of starch. Remember, it's the same thing that feeds the sourdough starter. Uh, that starch, that sugar, is the source of food for the sourdough starter, so all the grains contain it. Since you have PCOS, Marie, uh, the very best thing that you can do, provided you can eat some starch or eat grains anyway, and that's something you have to investigate and or work with your doctor, the best thing you can do is to prepare all your grain-containing baked goods with sourdough. Sourdough is amazing in terms of health because those organisms their food source is starch. So when you take some sourdough starter and you combine it with any of the flours and you give it time at room temperature to sour the dough, that's why it's called sourdough, the organisms are gonna eat the starch so that when you eat the bread or the muffins or whatever you make out of it, you're not getting that starch. The organisms have already eaten it. Isn't that cool? Um, so the more starch the organisms consume, the lower the glycemic index of the food. Now the glycemic index is really a ranking scale of how much the starch slash sugar in a food affects blood sugar levels. So what you want is a glycemic index number that's lower. And the scale is one to 100, I believe. I did discuss this in a previous Ask Wardy. Uh, episode 35 is sourdough bread low glycemic. So there's a whole bunch more info there. Let me just tell you a little bit. The glycemic index of sourdough bread is 54, which is considered low on the glycemic index, but it still has carbs. Don't anybody forget that. Let me just give you a quote from what I shared on that past Ask Wardy episode. Based on the research I've seen, regular non-sourdough white bread has an index of 71, that's high glycemic index. Sourdough bread has a glycemic index of, oh, 53 or 51, I, I typed it in two different places, so it's 51 or 52, 53. 
So this means sourdough is a very effective method for lowering the glycemic index of the bread. I already told you how it did that. It does that by consuming the sugars and starches in the flour, so it has less starch when you eat it. Um, and again, I'm not a doctor, so if you're managing diabetes, blood sugar, PCOS, or whatnot, this is a decision you need to research and make with your doctor or on your own. Um, and the final point to make here is about einkorn. I said it before, but einkorn has less and gentler starch and less and gentler gluten than other grains. So it's really, to me, it seems logical that it would also be lower on the glycemic index scale, but I don't have a glycemic index value for einkorn bread as opposed to whole wheat sourdough bread. Just because it has less and gentler starch, I reason out that it could come in lower, uh, but I don't have proof of that. Gluten-free flours, I suspect they're all going to be similar. Um, they're going to be high glycemic, just like whole wheat is going to be high glycemic. Um, in, if you use the gluten-free flours in sourdough bread, you're going to have a reduction of the glycemic index, a reduction of starch, but not all, just like with this bread. And do keep in mind that if you're baking bread with gluten-free flour blends that may contain tapioca starch or potato starch, those are super high starch foods, higher than whole wheat flour, higher. So even if you're doing it in sourdough or whatever you're doing, actually those kind of baked goods will be higher glycemic index than you know an unsoured whole wheat bread, for instance, or cooked brown rice. So with all this in mind, and even knowing that you know some of this health food stuff it's just not even on any glycemic index scales. It's like we can't get to it. We sort of have to reason it based on things that we do know. So with all this in mind, my safest conclusion for you is if you're going to use um, gluten flours, you want to choose einkorn. Um, Gluten-free, it really depends on the flours that you choose in your blend. And that is when and if you eat these kind of foods, of course. All right, number six. And I'm gonna pause my video really quick. All right, number six, most nutritious. <laughs> I love this qualification. I think um, it's something we all wanna consider, right? We all wanna consider it um, with any food. What's the most nutritious we can get? Of course, we don't wanna sacrifice taste. We don't wanna sacrifice function because if it's super healthy, but yet nobody will eat it, that doesn't do any good. So it's just one of those things we wanna throw into the mix, right? So um, Marie, if you're already avoiding modern wheat, that's half the battle. And I love that your question said, you know, I'm not gonna do modern wheat. Modern wheat has been hybridized, which means it's been selectively bred and it's done, it's been, that's happened over the years, starting in ancient times really, but a lot in this modern times. Um, so that the plants will be high gluten containing because that makes better bread. But ironically, I made really good bread without modern wheat, didn't I? Move that forward for you guys a bit. Um, it's also been selectively bred to have high yielding plants. Einkorn plant actually doesn't produce that many berries, not compared to modern wheat. So, you know, a crop of einkorn is going to yield so much less than a crop of modern wheat. But this is a money decision that somebody made you know, when they were selectively breeding their wheat, um, hybridizing it, they, they favored high producing, high gluten plants because they made, you know, super duper baked goods and they got a lot out of each plant. So 
um, you know, those sound like good things, but the effect on us is not good because many researchers, and you can research this many places online or in books, um, have linked the modern wheat to um, many diseases. I myself, part of my way of healing from um, lifelong seasonal allergies has been to stop eating modern wheat. I did this several years ago, and um, I did a gut healing diet, and I was healed of seasonal allergies within a few days, and they have not returned. However, I have not returned to eating modern wheat. Occasionally, I would try something if I was out somewhere. I might have a sandwich, you know, and then I get the sniffles again. So I myself know um, the truth of this, and this is something for everybody to consider for themselves. But if you just look into it, you will see um, that researchers have, you know, pretty much bashed modern wheat <laughs> with good reason. Now, einkorn, on the other hand, is the oldest variety of wheat we know. As I said, it's 5,000 years old. It has the less starch and gentler forms of it, as well as less gluten and gentler forms of gluten. Um, the other gluten-containing ancient grains like emmer, spelt, kamut, they were all derived from einkorn. Einkorn was original, and there's a timeline, all the way to modern wheat. And the spelt and the emmer and um, the kamut are arguably healthier than modern wheat, yet they're not the original form like einkorn is. The gluten-free grains, if they are whole grains, not the pure starches like the potato and the tapioca that I've mentioned, I have heard nothing against their nutrition provided that you can eat them. And so that's like a dietary decision or an allergy decision or, you know, what you're going to do when you consult your doctor about your PCOS and work out that diet. No matter what, I do think that in terms of the health issue, you want to select organic grains. So, um, and maybe it's not labeled organic, but there's a local farm and they're doing pesticide-free or chemical-free. You know, they don't, haven't gone through the qualification hoops to be labeled organic, but they're pretty much growing organically. Um, so this is just a discussion that you can have with farms. And the great thing is there are so many um, farms popping up nowadays or companies like Ancient Grains LLC, which there's a link to them in the show notes at askwardy.tv. They are providing ancient grains, organic ancient grains, or pesticide-free, chemical-free ancient grains um, to people like us. And this is just growing and booming because so many people are, um, with good reason, jumping on this ancient grains bandwagon. Marie, if you avoid modern wheat and the gluten-free pure starches, I think you're going to find nutritious options. So the bottom line, <laughs> we've gone through all these qualifications. Uh, if you take out the cost issue, uh, the grains that stand out for the gluten flours, it would be einkorn followed by spelt. For the gluten-free flours, it's really any of them except the pure starch ones, and you're always going to need to blend four or five of them together for best results. Plus, consider using a boosted starter. Again, that's askwardy.tv, episode nine has more on that. And then you're going to price shop around those and come up with something that works best for you and your family. To wrap up, I want to remind everybody again about um, this recipe. I told you I'd show it to you. If you got my email today, I'd show it to you and I'd tell you how you can make it. Well, you can make it by following the recipe that um, is linked with this video or go to tradcookschool.com slash free bread. Free bread is all one word. Or go to askwardy.tv, look for this episode number 65 and the link will be there. It takes just five minutes of hands-on time. Literally, last night I took flour, salt, water, and some starter, mixed it in a bowl, took did I say five minutes of hand time? 
hands-on time. It's like 15. So it took me like five minutes <laughs> to mix this sticky batter in a bowl, and then I covered it. And then this morning, I woke up, and I started preheating the oven, and I folded in one more ingredient that makes this fluffy and put it in um, a cloth-lined colander to rise. And then by the time the oven and the Dutch oven that I put inside the oven were preheated, the dough had risen, and I tipped it into the Dutch oven and baked it for about an hour. So five minutes the night before, five minutes to preheat the oven and fold in one more ingredient, and then five minutes to get in the oven and get out of the oven. Seriously, 15-minute bread, no kneading, and it's made with einkorn, and it has a beautiful crust and a beautiful rise, and inside it's delicious too. Um, I could show you a picture of the inside because I haven't cut into that yet. Um, where are my photos? I always have trouble with the photos. Here is the inside. Isn't that beautiful? And just like clockwork, once you get the hang of it, and I give you weights in the recipe as well, tradcookschool.com slash freebread. Um, once you get the hang of it, it just turns out every time. Do you sprout your einkorn? I don't on this, but I do have sprouted einkorn on hand because I like to sprout it, dry it, and then keep it. And then um, I'll use it for cookies and quick quick recipes, you know, where I there's no liquid or I just want to be able to bake it. So sprouted einkorn is fantastic for that reason. So um, open up my notes here again. I think that's it. There's a lot of links for you all at the show notes or below this video. Of course, you can go to askwardy.tv to get the show notes, but we have some articles there, past podcasts, gluten-free sourdough basics, is sourdough bread low glycemic, um, is sourdough gluten-free or can it be gluten-free? I think you know the answer from today's discussion, but people ask this. So we have, a, my daughter wrote a whole article about this issue. Um, Four Reasons to Love Einkorn, Einkorn 101. Maybe you've been like, ooh, I'd like to hear more about Einkorn. Well, we have two in-depth podcasts linked at the show notes, askwardy.tv. Um, there's information on becoming a member of Traditional Cooking School. We have an entire class on sourdough, an entire class on Einkorn baking. And as a member, you get complete access to those as well as all our other classes. And that would be like probably 10 more <laughs> in traditional cooking. We have an Einkorn baking ebook and video package. If you want to do gluten-free, we have our allergy-free cooking ebook package um, that has info on gluten-free sourdough and other gluten-free and grain-free baking. And there's a link on uh, where to buy where to buy your einkorn. If you're a member, though, make sure to check the member area or your ebook page um, because there's links and you have special discounts. Thanks everyone for joining me for Ask Wardy today. I hope you come back next week, same time, same place. And you can use um, that hashtag, AskWardy, on Twitter, at TradCookSchool, to send me your questions for the queue, or just email Wardy, W-A-R-D-E-E, at AskWardy.tv, and I'd love to put your question in the queue and answer it at some time. Um, it's really fun to gather here every week. I look forward to receiving your questions, talking to you, visiting with you, and uh, it just lifts me up. So, thanks. God bless you all. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining me today. Here's what to do next. Ask Wardy wouldn't be possible without your questions, so please keep them coming. If you're on Twitter, tweet me at TradCookSchool with your question and use the hashtag AskWardy. 
or send an email to wardy at askwardy.tv. To get the show notes, links mentioned, video replay, or even to catch up on past episodes of Ask Wardy, go to askwardy.tv. To join the fun of the live video recording, be sure to follow me with the handle at tradcookschool on the Periscope app or go to periscope.tv slash tradcookschool. We record live on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific. That's 1 p.m. Eastern. And finally, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, the Podcasts app, or Stitcher. If you're on a mobile device, just search for Ask Wardy while you're in the app. If you're on a desktop or laptop, go to tradcookschool.com slash awitunes right in your browser. And while you're there, please leave a rating or review. I love to read your comments and your feedback makes it much more likely that others who are interested in traditional cooking will find Ask Wardy too. Thanks so much. God bless you. And I'll see you next week.